<laughs> Are you scared? You should be. I'm Brandy, and you're listening to Sinister Sightings with a Paranormal Chicks. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 58. And you just heard Brandy C. Uh, and did she scare you? Because she scared us. Yeah. I legit went. <gasps> <laughs> she did. I was like, oh, goodness. <laughs> she said that it was raining when she did the audio. And she was like, mm, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Absolutely. And it was perfect. I love the creativity that comes out from these introductions. Mm-hmm. Like, so, if you want to put some creative flair on our introductions to the Sinister Sightings, or if you want to just say, hey, my name is Blankety Blank, and you're listening to a Paranormal Chicks, if you want that, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, the first one is Hometown Experiences and Beliefs. Hey, y'all, this is a long one, but it has a point, I promise. So I'm from Wyoming and a fairly new listener and was thrilled that one of our most famous cases made it onto an episode. Little Miss was a case happening when my mama was around the same age. She recounted the fear that she felt knowing that a fellow responsible gal went missing. Understandable, but little did my mom know just a couple of years later, she would also be fighting for her life due to the actions of a horrible person. The man that she was engaged to at the time, not my dad, and her were driving home after he picked her up from her waiting job, and in those days, it was normal to have change, coins, given to you as tips, and my mom was holding a mason jar of money between her legs while sitting in the passenger seat. My mom expressed that she was having cold feet and wasn't ready to commit. The guy, whose name my mom refuses to tell me to this day, looked at her and said, If I can't have you, nobody will. Oh, my God. Also, I mean, bro, can you get an original line? I'm just saying. Damn. He ran head on into a large work truck. Oh, my God. The glass jar my mom was holding shattered and ended up disfiguring her face. She lost her right eye that day, as well as many more traumatic injuries that we won't go into. Oh, my goodness. Crazy enough, this was the first in two head-ons in the passenger seat that she was in. Doctors tell her that she will never have children and would be lucky to walk again. Obviously, she beat the odds, walked, eventually married my biological father, and surprise, here I came a couple of years later. Oh my goodness. I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom was really involved in the church and was close to one of the pastors. He came to my mom and told her that he had a vision that the child she was bearing was meant for something great, and he handed her a letter written by his hand as a message from God. Flash forward 25 years later, and I haven't done much, went into the military and was med boarded before my career started. Went to school for diesel technology and ended up an accountant. I was running errands on a normal day and coughed. 
I started to get sick and told myself to just make it to the truck before I threw up. I sat in the driver's seat and everything went black. I have no idea how long I was out for. I came to and looked at my back seat and thought to myself that I just wanted to nap and I had time to take one before I went back to work. I closed my eyes and it was like someone screamed my name. Krista, wake up. You have to wake up and call someone. Something is wrong and if you go to sleep, you won't wake up. I called my mom and said I needed to go to the hospital and she was to meet me there. I called my boss and said the same thing and thank God for him came to pick me up and took me to the hospital. As it turned out, I had a submassive pulmonary embolism saddle that was blocking my right lung and the right side of my heart. Holy fuck. The doctors told me that they were surprised that I even made it to the hospital. After this incident, I have been having dreams that end up being warnings. I dreamt that a snake bit me on my foot and my friend rolled a vehicle the next day. I dream of sickly snakes, and I found out that my childhood friend took his and his wife's lives. Oh, God. Moral of the story is that I may actually have a purpose. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I know that I wasn't meant to die last year. I'm now on thinners for life and have to monitor several outcomes for the clot, but next time I have a premonition, I'll send it in. I have several stories about Wyoming that are also paranormal if y'all want to hear those too. Don't get scared when a voice calls you back to life. Krista. Oh, golly. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Well, I'm really glad that you didn't go to sleep and you went to the hospital and you're here. Because, like, I mean, we all know I love my sleep, but that, like, sickly pull to go to sleep that you cannot, you can't fight. Yeah. You're, like, when you're so sick that you're just, like, no sleep. Like, your body, you know, I yeah. can't imagine having to fight out of that. Mm-mm. Okay, this one is my paranormal experiences. Hi, my name's Ellie, and you can use my name. I don't mind. I love your podcast. You make opening at work much more bearable, and I love sinister sightings. Hearing other people's experiences is not only super interesting, but makes me feel less alone since I've experienced things as well. There's a couple of experiences I wanted to write about, so I'll try and make them quick. The first experience I have, that I can remember at least, I was three years old. We were at my great-grandma's house. She was in hospice and basically at any point could die. I was three. I didn't understand what was happening, but I was there, and I remember standing by my mom who was sitting with my great-grandma. I remember looking at the doorway between the room we were in and I think the kitchen. There was a man, not solid, but see-through, and all white, no color. He just looked at me and smiled. That was it. I didn't say anything. I wasn't scared, but I remember it like it was yesterday. A few years later, I was at my grandparents' house and I saw a picture of my great-grandpa who died sometime before I was born, and I said, hey, I saw this man at great-grandma's house. And my grandpa told me that that was his dad. That experience never scared me. It was actually pretty comforting. Wow. The second experience I remember, I was in third grade. This one was one of the most scary experiences I've ever had. I pretty much never tell this story because it's so crazy. I feel like no one would believe me, but I know what I saw. 
My friend's mom would babysit me in the summer while my parents were at work. She lived in a huge mansion like the fancy library, a theater room. She had it all. Well, one day, I don't even know how this came up, but she told me she let demons in her house. What? I was in third grade and I was like, yeah, um, okay, whatever you say. Like, that's weird. I just tried to forget about it and she was probably joking around. Well, a week or so later, probably, my mom came to pick me up and I went out to put something in the car or I don't know. I went outside for something. I was headed back to the door when I looked over and in the grass, there's this little demon-like figure laying down staring at me. It looked like a gargoyle. It didn't move, but they don't have those laying around their yard. I freaked out and I ran to the door, but I couldn't get it open. I don't remember what happened after that, but I know I was terrified. And I was like, this girl really does let demons in her house. I don't remember if I ever told my mom that story, but I've never seen anything like that since then. Why are you going to just let demons in your house? This is why we can't have nice things, people. Right? My next story, I was probably in middle school. My grandparents were letting a friend of ours stay at their house for a while until he could find a place to live. Well, ever since he moved in is when this started happening. My grandparents have a dining room with a big archway into a living room, no door or anything. And from the dining room, you walk into another room connected to the kitchen. I used to sit on a couch directly across from the archway and face the wall where the TV was. On more than one occasion, I can remember sitting, watching TV, and from the corner of my eye, I would see a shadowy figure walk from one side of the archway into the room connected to the kitchen. I looked over the first time, but after that, I would see them and continue to watch TV and not acknowledge that I had seen anything because I didn't want to freak myself out. A few years later, after he moved out, somehow it got brought up that my grandma or grandpa had seen shadow people in the same spot walking the same direction. And that's when I finally spoke up about it because I realized I wasn't the only one that saw them and they sat in different parts of the room and saw them so it wasn't just a reflection on anything. After he moved out, we never saw them again. This final story is a bit longer. My friend and I used to go ghost hunting or just adventuring, really. A place we used to go a lot was called Crybaby Bridge. The legend of the bridge is that a baby was thrown from the backseat after a car accident into the water. Another story is a young mother gave birth to a baby in the back of a car and threw it over the railing of the bridge where it landed on the bank instead of the water and cried because it did not die immediately. (gasps) Oh, gosh. Both of those stories are horrible. So sad. People say they can hear crying, footsteps under the bridge, One friend told me when she went, they stopped in the middle of the bridge and a handprint appeared on the window. People say they'll hear a single splash in the water like the sound of something being thrown in. And people say if you turn your car off in the middle of the bridge, that you won't be able to start it until you push it off the bridge itself. The first time we went, nothing happened. It was uneventful. The second time, I had the address saved in my phone for easy access. She texted me at like 2 a.m. and wanted to go on an adventure. I went, of course. She was driving and I guided her based on my phone. There's also a church and a graveyard also supposed to be haunted all near that bridge. 
When I put the address in my phone, we went. And instead, it took us to the church, which we had never been to or even found before. So my phone wasn't taking us to the bridge. At one point, we turned onto a road and we both felt like we were struggling to catch our breath. And we both felt dread just being on that specific road. When we finally turned off that road, we immediately felt better. We couldn't find the bridge that night. I think this was the same night my friend was trying to use her phone instead of mine to try to find it because obviously something was messing with my phone. And that same road we turned on and felt dread, when we turned onto it, her phone shut off. It wasn't dead. It was plugged in the whole time and it just shut off. The next time we went, we went back to the church to investigate with some daylight. We found burnt Bibles and in the basement, we found dark drawings. It definitely was not being used for good things. We went to the bridge later on, stopped in the middle of the bridge and sat for a while. The roads were not busy roads, so we didn't have to move for anyone often. We rolled the windows down and just sat silently to see if anything would happen. We even turned our car off. We were sitting there talking quietly to listen for any noises. Then, all of a sudden, we heard something, like something being thrown into the water below us. We turned our car on so fast, and we booked it off that bridge. I feel like I've always been sensitive to stuff, and so has my friend. That's all the experiences I have, but there have been several times where I'll go somewhere and get a really bad feeling about being there or that place in general. I hope you guys enjoyed my experiences. Wow. Ellie, oh my God, all of those experiences were great stories. Never want to go to Crybaby Bridge. I don't even want to watch Crybaby the movie. Um, That's a great fucking movie. <laughs> okay, the next one, My Grandpa's House Paranormal Story. Hi, I'm a recent listener to your podcast and wanted to tell you about my experiences in my grandpa's house when I was young. This happened in Denver, Colorado. When I was five, my grandpa moved into the house that was previously owned by his parents once my great-grandmother had passed away. There were always weird things happening in this house. Things disappearing and showing up in other areas, chairs moving. My older cousin lived with my grandpa and things would freak us out all of the time. There are two incidents that stick out though. There was a little workshop shed with old license plates hanging on the wall. One night, my cousin and I heard strange noises that were coming from the backyard. Don't go investigate. Don't go investigate. When we looked out the window, the lights were on in the shed, and we could hear hammering and the license plates rattling. Scared, we ran to wake up my grandpa, who had long since fell asleep. He responded with, it's just my dad. Let him work. We ran and hid under the blanket for the rest of the night. Oh, my goodness. Holy Hannah. When I was about nine, my cousin put on The Shining, knowing that I am terrified of scary movies, still to this day. He started creepily chanting red rum at me. After three times, my nose started gushing blood. Oh, fuck. My grandpa moved out of the house about a year after that incident, and the last I knew, it was turned into a junkyard. Anyway, that's all I have for now. Thank you, Monica C. Well, that's so sad that that house was turned into a junkyard. I wonder if your great-grandpa still works out there. Oh, my gosh. Like, Wally. I wonder what would have happened had he not moved out. Like, the other creepy stuff that would have happened. 
Well, it's so weird, though, that, like, the thing with the red rum thing was, like, creepy. But, like, the first thing was just, like, a ghost they knew, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, clearly, her grandpa wasn't freaked out by it, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, this one is called Ghost Cats and Aliens? Question mark, question mark? Okay. Hey, ladies. I've recently started listening to your podcast, and I'm in love. I work by myself. I clean vacant apartments, so I listen to you guys to keep me company. I'm usually terrified, but I can't stop. I guess I'm just weird like that, lol. I have a couple of stories to tell y'all, and they're pretty light considering some of the others, but I thought they were still strange. I don't currently live in Oregon, but this is where these stories take place. The first one happened a couple of weeks after my husband and I had to put our cat down. She had gotten too old and sick. It was a hard decision, but we know she's better now. We were sitting on the couch one afternoon and heard a sound coming from the kitchen. It sounded like our cat was in there, but we knew that would have been impossible. We looked at each other and both got up to investigate the noise. When we got to the kitchen, we saw that our gas stove was lit and burning on its lowest setting. Neither of us had cooked anything that day, so we ran over, panicked, and turned it off. We had a feeling that she was making the noise to get us up before something bad happened. We were so confused. Why was it lit? Did we bump it? I don't know what made the stove light, but we're glad that she made the noise to get us up. We haven't heard from her since, but so glad she came through that day. The last one took place a few years ago. My husband and I lived two hours away from the rest of our families. One night, I was alone and driving home from visiting my parents. This particular freeway in Oregon, heading north to Portland, is surrounded by farmland for most of the journey. When you get about halfway to Portland from my parents, it starts getting into hills and more wooded areas. Right as I was coming towards the tree line, I looked above them and noticed a bright green orb floating above the trees. Instantly, I felt completely freaked out. I was getting closer and just watched it hover there above the trees. Finally, as I was about to pass, it moved down slowly through the trees and then disappeared. My heart was racing. I had no idea what I just saw. Of course, I was alone, and of course, it was at night. When I got home, I googled what it might have been. There's a lot of theories that it's spiritual, maybe even a ghost, but others say it could be alien. I feel that it was more on the alien side, as I've heard other family members say that they've seen unexplainable things in the woods, too. Either way, I was scared. I told my husband what I saw, and he was completely weirded out by it. Ever since then, when I drive through the woods, I'm constantly on the lookout for more, but that's all I've ever seen. Anyway, I hope y'all have a great day. Thank you for the awesome podcast and creep on creeping it real. Love, Lizzie. Um, okay, Lizzie. Freaking loved them. How crazy does it make me that I was about to tell the story about how just the other day, remember I was like, I smell gas, and I, somehow my one of my burners was on. Like, it wasn't lit. It was mm -hmm. on the, like, just before the light where yeah. it, like, it's just expelling gas. And then I was like, oh, I shouldn't tell that story because if somebody tries to kill me, then they'll have a record on the podcast of me saying that I accidentally did it one time. <laughs> and then they would get away with it because like, oh, she must have just done it again. Oh, my gosh. I am crazy, y'all. Too many murder mysteries. Uh-uh. But Lizzie, I loved your stories. Yes. 
Well, you know what? I've done that not like, well, my ghost cat never saved my life, but I've had it where Ambrosius, my cat, after he died, I felt like him jump up on my bed at night, Mm -hmm. pitch black and like out of habit. Like I just, you know, patted the bed Mm -hmm. close to me, like, come here. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, uh uh. And he was a big cat, like me in cat form. And, uh, like, so you felt him get up on that bed. It wasn't like a, did you? Uh-uh. It was a blah, blah, I took a picture with my phone. This was an iPhone 3G. So that was back then. Like, mm-hmm. but that was like, ooh, you know? Yeah. And, like, the flash kind of came on or whatever, but it was like an orange streak, and he was an orange and white cat and my walls were like blue yeah so not the same but like i've had that experience i forgot really about it till like i was like oh my god hello my beautiful sisters from another mister (laughs) i'm fairly new to your podcast and have been binging the shit out of it for a couple of weeks now it's kind of taken over my life so i've had some spooky ass shit happen over my lifetime and wanted to eventually tell you all about them But to keep it short, I'll just start with this one. Picture it. Portland, Oregon, 1999. Hey, we just had an Oregon story. I was about to say, we just left there on the trail. (laughs) God. I had just graduated from high school, and I was moving out on my own with my best friend, and I was stoked. For my graduation present, my mom gave me $500 and a suitcase, so I took the hint and got the hell out of Dodge. $500? I also got a thing of luggage for graduation what they trying to tell us was actually for christmas but it was like my graduation year you know it was kind of thing i don't know apparently it was a thing in my family i have never had new luggage i mean i bought like a vera bradley like weekender but like not a luggage set where's your suitcase from my sister it was a hand-me-down oh i still use that luggage (laughs) Me and my mom were sick of each other and needed space anyways. Love you, mom. So we moved into one of those apartment complexes that were huge. Three stories high, multiple units, ground level apartment, middle floor apartment, and top floor apartment. We lived in a middle floor apartment. It was me, my bestie, and her son, who was two. Life was awesome. We did whatever the hell we wanted. Which didn't mean much, usually eating junk food and Allie McBeal episodes. Oh my god. But nonetheless, we were living our best lives. I can't remember when the weird things started to happen, but I do remember never feeling super comfortable there. Just like uneasy feelings. The first strange occurrence was in my room, and I was dead asleep. And I woke up to see weird colored lights shining in my bedroom window. They were multicolored and changing. Like a disco light outside of my window, which was impossible since I lived on the second floor and there was no road back there. Also, there was no noise or music like a party and it was in the middle of the night. Only a small grassy area and more apartments. Mm -mm. No, thank you. I was dead asleep and remember waking up and seeing the weird light and thinking, that's weird, but I wasn't scared and just passed back out. When I woke up in the morning, I remembered them and tried to think of what it could have been, but didn't get too deep into it. The next weird-ass thing that happened really freaked me out. Again, I was asleep in my bed, 
It's, you sound like my people. <laughs> okay, again, sleep in their bed, but not 100% asleep, like I was half awake, half asleep, and I heard whispering in my right ear. Nothing that I could make out, but like a hushed whispering, and then it moved from my right ear to hovering above me, and yes, I'm still, quote, sleeping, but definitely hearing it. Then it moved to my left ear. The whole time, still whispering, the hushed whispering. Well, that is freaky as fuck, but also that sounds like you with your ASMR stuff. I mean, maybe whatever this was, was the OG. And you might be true. (laughs) When it reached my left ear, it was like my brain finally computed that some spooky ass shit was going down and to wake the hell up. So I shot up in bed, sitting straight up, thinking, what the fuck was that? There was nothing there, but I was shook. I know I heard what I heard. I eventually laid back down and willed myself to sleep. Every time something freaky happened to me, it was in my room while I slept. Don't fuck with my sleep. My roommate never had any issues, just me. Finally, though, someone else got a taste of my bedroom ghost, or what I thought was a ghost, After this incident, I wasn't too sure it was a friendly ghost at all. My boyfriend was staying the night, and we went to bed and slept like normal, but when we woke up the next day, he sat up in bed and said, Ouch! My back is stinging. What's on my back? I looked, and there down his back from his shoulder blades to the middle of his back was three freshly raised scratches that were quickly turning into welts. Yes, I said three, and we all know what the fuck that means. Oh, yeah. That totally freaked me out. And after that, I started to ask around to the other tenants about the weirdness I was experiencing and if they had any weird things happen to them. None did, but I did hear about a murder that happened in the apartment complex sometime earlier. Not sure when, but these apartments weren't super old. Maybe mid-80s, so couldn't have been too long ago. Apparently, it was a woman. She lived there with her husband, and she likes to work out in the workout room that was there at the apartments. Little did she know she was being watched while she was running on the treadmill. Mm. She preferred to work out early in the morning. This creeper was watching her and learning her and her husband's routines. Finally, one morning, he was watching her, and when she went back to the apartment, he waited outside for her husband to leave for work, and as soon as he did, this creepy fucker went to her door and knocked. She most likely thought it was her husband forgetting something, like his keys, and opened the door immediately. Unfortunately for her, it was not her husband. He pushed his way in and started to attack her, but she was strong. She was fit, and she fought his ass right back. Apparently, at one point, she made her way to the balcony porch and screamed for help before he dragged her back in, where she eventually lost the fight. Oh, gosh. Now, if this was me, and I made it to the balcony porch, you bet your ass I'd jump right off that bitch. I'd much rather have a broken leg than be dead. Now, after hearing this story and doing more digging, I found out that this happened in my apartment unit, which is my apartment house that consisted of, I believe, nine apartments in the same building. That it was in the middle floor apartment she lived in. Um, hello, I live in the middle floor apartment. I was never able to find out if it was my apartment, 
But I'd bet anything it was. And it was her that was bothering in my sleep and that my boyfriend was an intruder to her that she didn't want there. Oh my gosh, yeah. I only lived there for maybe nine months because for some reason I started to not be able to stand living with my best friend anymore, which was weird because we always got along so well. It was nothing specific that she would do. I just hated to be around her. Like I'd be sitting on the couch and hear her keys in the door lock and I'd instantly get super irritated and I'd just go to my room and close the door. I know that sometimes being in the presence of a dark spirit can bring hostility to a family, and I'm sure that's what was happening. Like I said, I can't remember why I began to hate her, but I did, so I moved out to save our friendship. I'm happy that we're still besties today. She never had anything to happen to her while we lived there, and she even lived in that apartment alone with just her and her son for a good six months after I left, and never one incident. BTW, the murdering piece of coward shit, did get caught. He attacked and raped another woman in the area, but he was finally caught after her. I don't know her name, and I've tried to look into this more, but never found out anything more on her. Well, that's my paranormal true crime story. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll send in more on a later date and on a laptop. I'm typing this on my phone while in the tub, and it didn't work out as well as I thought it would. Until then, my beautiful spooky friends, creep it real and don't get scared. Autumn from Oregon. Wow. Whew. Holy. I bet that's so right, though. If that was her, like, she was trying to protect you from your boyfriend. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Wow. That's so sad. I think stalking is so scary. Mm -hmm. Just because, like... You know, sometimes you can feel someone watching you, like, Mm -hmm. when you're close and, you know, whatever. You're like, why are you looking at me like that? But when you're just doing your life, like, when you're out in the grocery store not, you know, thinking about whatever, you're preoccupied. I never noticed anyone looking at me, you know? Like, and, oh, God, just to thank people do that and know your schedule and know all of that. And it's just like that invasion of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, fuck you. How dare you? And then he took it a whole step further and murdered her. Well, and it's like, it's not, you know, before it gets bad, it's stuff that when you start noticing, I mean, I don't know, I'm not speaking from experience, but once you start noticing it, it's not necessarily like reportable somethings. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you're like, well, am I crazy? No, this is actually weird behavior. And then you're like, but it's, but again, it's bad, but it's not like illegal bad. So there's nothing anybody can do other than literally just wait for it to escalate. Yeah. Because it will every single time. Definitely. That's what's so bad is that, yeah, even if you catch it before it does escalate, You can't be proactive, really. Yeah. I mean, you can have a paper trail and you can, you know, have that. But it's like, that's it. Like, you just leave the breadcrumbs for the fallout. Well, and I feel like, too, if it doesn't escalate with you, it will with their next victim. Definitely. Wow, that was good. Yes. Send in all your stories. Yes. Okay. This one is My Strange Dreams. 
Hey guys, my name is Harley. I'm 18 years old and I'm from Texas. I absolutely love your podcast and I recently got my boyfriend Chase to start listening to y'all and it makes me so happy to listen to episodes with him on long car rides or when we're playing Xbox. Oh, I mean, couple goals right, right there. Why don't you and Colby listen to us while y'all are just hanging out? Gah. Why don't, why would I? No. (laughs) (laughs) I have to listen to us the first time we do the episode. Why do I want to listen again? (laughs) Uh, Because you don't remember half of it. (laughs) True. (laughs) Which is why the bloopers are such a surprise. True. Thanks for making Chase a creepster. I came from a really small town in West Texas, and this story is so weird to think that it happened in my small little hometown. Anyways, I'm going to try to make it as short as possible because I suck at writing. And this is very summarized because it would take a whole damn episode to cover this story. My family has lived here for years. My granddad said he was in the tiny cafe we have drinking coffee the morning after it happened, and he rushed home to tell my grandma, who proceeded to lock all the doors and the windows in the house. In this small town, no one locks their doors, but everyone did for a long time following these events. This crime took place around 2 to 3 a.m., January 24th, 1978. Roy Glenn Schwink was 17 years old when he took the lives of his father, stepmother, and brother. He shot his family with a shotgun, then changed clothes, cleaned the shotgun, and slashed a window screen to make it look like someone else came in and murdered his family. Wow. He then ran down the street to his uncle's house at around 4 a.m., His uncle said he acted excited, but he wasn't crying, and he was saying that someone killed his family. His uncle went to his brother's house and saw his brother and his sister-in-law and his nephew laying lifeless on the floors of their bedrooms. He called the police immediately. When the police arrived, they saw no signs of forced entry, no stolen valuables, and they knew right away that the window looked fishy. If I'm remembering correctly, In the article, it said the window was busted on the wrong side, meaning that the glass was going on to the front yard instead of the bathroom. Dumbass. I swear when you said, like, that about the screen, I was Mm -hmm. like, I bet they cut it from the wrong side. Mm. They didn't take Roy into custody because he convinced them that there was someone on the run who was responsible for this. People in town drove around looking for someone who could have done this, and so did the police. The longer they looked at the scene, they soon realized that Roy did this, and they arrested him and he went on trial. The court found him guilty and sentenced him to 45 years. My grandma said that Roy and his father were always fighting for marrying so soon after his mom passed away, and he didn't like his new stepmom. She said that's a possible motive, but we all know that sometimes people don't need a reason to do horrible shit like this. I'm sorry if that didn't make any sense. I tried to fit the most important details in, but this is where it gets a bit odd. My family actually lives in the house where it happened. (gasps) I've spent many nights over there because my best friend is my cousin. Their home phone will randomly call the sheriff's station and not say anything. She said that they know this because the sheriff will call them back and say they got a call, but no one would talk. I don't know if it's real, but it's scary enough to make me not want to spend the night over there anymore. Roy is out of prison, and he has been since 2019. He lives hours away now, 
but it makes me so scared to think that he could come back and visit that house. I'm sorry this took so long, but thank you for reading. I hate writing essays, but I will write one for y'all in a heartbeat. I hope you find this interesting. What I learned from this story is that sometimes locking the door won't help you if the monster lives with you. Thanks for all the laughs and the fear farts. Love y'all. Wow, that was so good. Yes. And how fucking like deep is that, that locking your doors won't help you if the monster lives with you? That is very evil lives here on investigation. Yes. That should be their fucking tagline. Right? That is so crazy to think that her family live in that house. It's crazy, too, that the phone just calls the sheriff's department, you know? This one is my first encounter with evil. Hey, lovely ladies, long-time listener, first-time sharer. This is my first and perhaps scariest interaction with the dark side of the paranormal. This all-too-real story took place in a city I grew up in, a small town in western Kentucky back in the early 90s. At this time, my family basically lived in our Pentecostal-esque, backwards-ass church. My father was a music pastor. My mom sang in the choir. All of my outside school activities revolved around the church and our pastor. He was enigmatic, confident, and all of the people in the congregation treated him like he was part of the Godhead. We'll call him Pastor P. One Sunday evening, after a rather lengthy sermon, our church hosted a big dinner in the basement gym area. It was loud. It was packed. While sitting down to dinner with my family, I realized I had left my new purse because it was the big thing. You remember when you first start carrying a big girl purse? Upstairs in our church's main sanctuary. The sanctuary was on the first level, right above the gymnasium. I had to be about eight or nine at the oldest, but I had always been afraid of our church's sanctuary since I could remember. I couldn't distinctly say why, and of course, I would never tell any of my friends in fear that they would think I was a big baby, but I just felt like there was something wrong with that entire building, namely the sanctuary where the main church services were held. It wasn't so scary when it was filled with people and my family standing in the rows, clapping their hands and smiling. But when it was desolate, it felt, well, sinister as fuck. Nicest way I can say it. Anyway, so my eight-year-old self decided to be a Billy badass and run up the steps to the sanctuary, grab my purse so I wouldn't have to be without it all week, and run back down to the lively dinner downstairs. Simple enough, right? Hell no. Oh, gosh. I will never forget the ominous feeling as I walked up the concrete stairs to the big oak door that separated the stairwell from the side hall of the sanctuary. It was the most terrified I had ever been in my life. I knew someone slash something was on the other side. But I knew it was probably me being irrational, and damn it, I really wanted that purse. So I grabbed the gold doorknobs and prepared to bolt in and bolt out. What I didn't anticipate was the entire sanctuary being pitch black, sans a couple of beams of light coming through the windows, which honestly just made it even more terrifying. 
I gathered all my courage and ran across the red, yes, fucking red carpet to the pew. I knew I had last seen my bag, but geez, I knew something was on my tail and it was certainly not human because the energy, the air, the space around me seemed to change into darkness I had never experienced before. Something was breathing heavy on my neck, and when I heard it whisper my name over and over, it was not my imagination. It was the realest thing I had ever experienced. Something felt wrong. It wasn't a little girl being afraid. I was the kid who watched Unsolved Mysteries alone. Are You Afraid of the Dark was my motherfucking jam. Hell yeah. I was always keen to the paranormal, and I knew this was bad, and it wanted me. I cried as I ran, and once I grabbed the bag, I didn't turn around. I took up an alternate path outside that wouldn't force me to turn around and retrace my steps. Fuck that. Back inside the gym, I was once again surrounded by light and people and good smells of a church potluck, but that feeling of true darkness never totally dissipated. It was then, at that moment in my life, I knew evil existed, and somehow it existed in my church. Hindsight, now that isn't hard to believe because fuck religious condemnation. Not two years later from that night, that scary-ass incident, it comes to light that good old fuckboy Pastor P, the one who everyone trusted and revered, had been raping young girls in and around the church. No one knows how many exactly, because only a couple brave young women came forward. He is now in jail. Thank you, universe. He cannot harm any other children. However, I believe with all of my heart that evil presence was spawned by the disgusting and demonic actions taken by our pastor. He committed evil sins. He stained and desecrated innocent young lives. He was a heretic and a narcissistic manipulator. He conned the spiritually vulnerable. He brought evil in and it never left. I'm older now, living in Birmingham, Alabama, but still go back to visit my family in that small town. Up until a couple of years ago, I had family that still went to that same church. One time, I went back as an adult. I needed to feel that energy again and see if it had gone. I don't know why. I am much braver now. I'm not afraid of evil bullshit like that and will stand up to it. Wisely and cautiously, of course. But I had to know. At this point, Pastor P had been in prison for years. The carpets weren't red. The pews were different. But the remnants of that evil entity remained. It didn't scare me this time, but I felt its presence, and shit, I hope it felt my adult grown-ass white-like energy right back. We may move on after tragic and evil happenings, but whatever happened at that church, in that sanctuary, caused darkness to remain. I will never forget that experience as long as I live. Sorry if my email is super long, been thinking about sending this one in for a long time, I have a couple of more, but I had to share that story and really just get it off my chest after 20 or so years. Please keep doing what you're doing. Please keep keeping it the realest. Next time you ladies are in Birmingham, give me a shout. My sister and I are huge fans and would love to take y'all out for drinks and snacks, obviously. Creep it real and never get scared. Love and light, L.A.
Oh my goodness. Well, drinks and snacks, uh, yes. Wow. Whew. That's really heavy. Also, I was thinking, I wonder what came first. I wonder mm-hmm. if the pastor was like bad. And the evil came because of him. Yeah, or, or the evil was there. And he could have like done or had those thoughts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that evil, you know, saw it and then preyed upon that and grew. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would say it was there first. I'm going to guess that Pastor P was evil before mm-hmm. and would have been evil whether that entity or whatever it was was there to begin with. Yeah. But they didn't help each other. Right. I feel like it was definitely some symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Also, I agree with you, L.A. I used to be so scared of my cousin's church. Like, we would – I don't know why we were always there. I, well, her dad was was one of the deacons, and so, I don't know, he was, like, there, and so we were there. But we would walk around it all the time because, you know, nosy as fuck. And going back there where they get baptized, like, to go behind it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean. The baptismal. But, yeah, like, where you would enter. Like, you know, you put on your, Mm -hmm. the white coat, all the things, you know. Oh, they're doctors? Yeah. (laughs) Not a robe. They're doctors. (laughs) But, like, I don't know, but that would freak me out. And just seeing that water there. And so, like, I don't know. It freaked me out. Like, Well, you're weird with water. Yeah, but it was clear. But it yeah. was just like, that's holy water. Yeah. That's, like, I don't know, but it would creep me out. And also, empty churches really do creep me out. It's like, it's one of those things that if I hold my breath and I can make it before the door closes, I'm safe. You know, mm-hmm. or, you know, like, all of those things. Like, the monster can't get me if I, you know, take two pews at a time. Well, and even, like, this email painted such a amazing picture because like I can remember being a kid and like so the church that I grew up in there were three different ways to get into the sanctuary like one was the main entrance like from outside and then the other two doors were like at the front sides so you could come in from like Sunday school classrooms and stuff Mm -hmm. and I just remember like opening those doors and like being scared to open them yeah like is somebody in there? Are they are they like practicing something? Mm-hmm. Is it empty? Can I go in? Like it's yeah. so weird. So like when they were talking about opening those oak door, I was just like it, it just like whoosh, took me back. Yeah, which is so crazy. Me too. Like I just I haven't thought about that same, stuff same in forever, and I was like, oh my god, I remember that like being so freaked out, like just not liking it. Yeah. And, being like, I don't want to be here. I wonder how much of it is that you're, because you're taught to be reverent and respectful because it's the sanctuary. Yeah. And so like, you're like, oh God, I got to be good. You know? Literally. <laughs> yes. Or even how much of it is because this, this big building and you're a little kid or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, especially like growing up in a Southern Baptist church, it's very like hellfire and brimstone, you know? And so it's like. Well, and Pentecostal. Yeah. And so it's like. You're taught to fear this, like, evil being, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, 
is going to get me, you know? Yeah. yeah. That was such a, like, I don't know. Yeah. She just painted that picture. Mm -hmm. All right. Last one. And this is called Nightmare in Real Time. To start off, I would like you guys to know that I'm quite skeptical about paranormal activities, but I was brought up to believe that demons do exist. On top of that, I'm a psychology student, therefore I try to explain everything by science. This might explain my reaction to my story. I mean, are you me? Right? I was about to say, um... I mean, says a psychology student, I just play one on the podcast. (laughs) I had a long day, school, and part-time job, so I went home to watch TV and talk to my mom before going to bed. I'm not someone who's able to fall asleep very easily. Mm -mm. Not me. Because this girl will go to sleep like a champ. The only thing that will keep her up? Free lives and Candy Crush. And even then, I'll play until my eyes start crossing, and then I just got to go. (laughs) I will usually have to watch some random YouTube videos until my eyes get tired. Okay, never mind. She is you. And we're back on. (laughs) Side note, I usually realize when I'm about to fall asleep and mentally get ready for sleep. I hope that made sense. However, on this particular day, I lied down and fell straight to sleep. But I did not know that, probably because I did not prepare my brain to stop functioning in the real world, so I was still fully awake in my brain. My dream, which felt so real. I was using my phone and finally getting tired, therefore decided to put my phone away. I have the habit of looking at the clock before sleeping, and I remembered that the time was 1.08 a.m., I woke up from my sleep, not in real life, still part of the dream, as I was feeling really hot. I also have the same habit to look at the time when I wake up. For context, I will usually just sit up on my bed, and from there, I'll be able to see the clock in the living room. However, someone was standing in front of the clock, staring intently into the clock. I got pissed first because she was blocking my view to look at the time. Then it hit me. The only person that has long hair in the house is me. Therefore, that is definitely not my mom. I then got angrier as I thought someone broke into the house. I went to the living room and stood behind her, asking her in a bitchy tone, Hey, who are you? She did not even look at me or answer me. That made me even more agitated because she was ignoring me. So I got closer, and that's when she walked away. And now I'm standing in front of the clock. She's standing in front of the door. My brain thought, nah, bitch, you're not getting away for breaking in. I ask again, one last time, who the hell are you? Almost concurrently, the lady turned around and the numbers on the clock changed. I could see the clock changing numbers by the side of my eyes. Apparently that caught my attention more. And I looked at the clock and it was now one eleven. Suddenly, I woke up from my sleep in real life and casually just sat up and could immediately see the clock, and it was one eleven in real life. Whoa. Some things to point out here. I was 15 when this happened. Till this day, six years later, I am still wondering what would have happened if the clock did not catch my attention and I continued looking at the lady when she was turning around. Who would I see? And how did I not realize that I was asleep? 
That's unusual for me. Like I said, I tried to reason everything out by science. So I convinced myself that it's all in my head. My body was tired when my brain was still active. It's all coincidence that the time matched up. And with that, I actually walked into my parents' room and snuggled with my mom to sleep because I was scared despite being skeptical. Finally, you have come to an end of this email. Glad you made it through this lengthy email. It would be nice if you both come up with a theory for me after all those years. I love you all so much. You're helping getting through working full-time eight to five and part-time schooling after work. I feel like I'm chatting with friends over coffee while doing work all the time. You guys have increased my, you guys have increased my ability in multitasking. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Best regards, Liana. Well, uh, okay, this is what I think it is. In my not-so-professional opinion, and by that I mean not at all. Uh, so what I think is that you were in that weird like half-sleep, half-awake where the girl that you saw in the dream was actually you dreaming and your half-awakeness was trying to catch up to your dream state. I just made that up, but it, I think so. Could be. Or you could have, like, astral projected, maybe? I don't know. I haven't really looked into all of that, so that could possibly not be it. But I don't know. Because if that girl was you, and, like, she, she was had this, like... turned around? Yeah, and she was, like, a creepy doppelganger type thing. Yes. That means, like, you're going to die. Or, you know, like, whatever yeah. if you see your doppelganger. So, I, I don't know. But also, I think that... Your bodies kind of know what time it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's not always that specific, but, like, your body, I think, is smart enough to know. It's been about three or five minutes. You know what I mean? And so I think that that can kind of explain why you knew what time it was in the dream because you knew it hadn't been that long. I don't know. Like, so I'm at work and I have – I'm working with somebody and I've got them, like, on heat for ten minutes. Like – I can't tell you how many times I'm like, it's probably been about 10 minutes. And I look at their time and there's like three seconds left. Yeah. You know, because your body, you know time. Yeah, but you're not asleep. But if she was kind of in that half sleep, half awake. Yeah, but like when you're in your half sleep, half awake, you say, did you put it on the boys? What you what you talking about? Or did you say east? Well, you sh- you said east in my dream. Uh, and I was like, what? I'm taking the fucking test. Shh. Because <laughs> imagine that. Carrie was asleep. oh god man y'all stories were so freaking good this week oh my god hold on sorry going back to that halfway awake halfway dreaming thing one time me and tiffany were watching grace and because i had like started it like right when it came on because i was like oh this is gonna be one of my favorites and so like loved it so I got her on it. And so we were like binging this, like some seasons because I had it on DVD. And so, you know, like we had been watching it all day. Well, I was falling my ass to sleep. But like, I don't know, you know, when you're like, don't fall asleep, you know, and mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not sleeping. I'm still mm-hmm. up. We're going to watch another. So the episode I was watching with her, they're going to take their boards. Well, I fell asleep. And another episode had happened, I think, and I woke up and I said, did they pass? Like, did they study? Did they do it? Or, like, or maybe she said, what'd they do? And I was like, did they pass their boards? Like, I think they were studying for their boards. Like, something, like, I don't know. 
I don't even know. Tiffany can tell you, but she was like, no, Donna. Like, <laughs> that's not what's going on. Yeah. You know, like, I don't even know. But it was like I could hear it, and that's what I fell asleep yes. to. And, like, I woke up, and I'm like, no, I wasn't asleep. This is what, huh? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, it's been three hours? My bad. Yeah. Oh, you finished the whole season? Oh, sorry. <laughs> but sorry. Continue talking about how great these stories are. Yes. I was, like, on pins and needles the whole freaking time. Like, all the stories. Yeah. Thank y'all so freaking much for sending them in. Y'all always tell us that you have more. So, send them in. Send them in. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.